Bears fans. Welcome to another edition of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, this week we're doing the I Love You Man Scat. <laughs> and we're doing that because uh, Super Bowl time always reminds me of the old Miller Lite commercial, I Love You Man. <laughs> and uh, and um, so many times when I absolutely felt like that. Except, of course, for 2006. <laughs> uh, but... Um, we uh, we are going to talk a little bit uh, today about um, the entire uh, coaching conglomerate that we now have. Uh, we thought we'd talk a little bit um, about some of the uh, off-the-radar news uh, around the internet, and then uh, maybe talk a little bit about what we see as far as uh, some roster comings. We will have some exciting news finally coming uh, in just a few weeks when free agency opens. So yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a, been a funny lull in Bears news. I mean, we were going through the coaching search and the GM search and all the hirings, and then figuring out the coordinators. And you know, for a solid week or two there, it felt like I was just constantly refreshing my phone, waiting for <laughs> the next piece of news to come in. Yeah. And then now it's kind of been a little bit more stagnant. The coaching staff has you know filled itself out. We've heard a little bit from Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles and. Luke Getze and some of the other coaches that the Bears have brought in. But, yeah, over the last week, I mean, not a ton of major breaking news. I think, you know, as good a place to start as any is that the Bears seem to have, for the most part, completed their uh, assistant coaching hires. So, I mean, we can just kind of run down the list, right? Everybody knows the head coach and the coordinators. (laughs) But as far as some of these guys that are going to be coaching the positional groups, I mean, Andrew Janoko, quarterbacks, David Walker, running backs, Tyke Tolbert, receivers. Tyke! Jim Jim Dre, tight ends, Chris Morgan, offensive line, Travis Smith, defensive line, Dave Borgonzi, linebacker, James Rowe, defensive back. So, (laughs) you know... Uh, kind of tough to have strong reactions about any of those guys, but yeah. anything stand out to you? No, uh, there is one thing I thought that was kind of odd. Um, on there, uh, I think I saw that we're, we uh, hired a assistant defensive backs coach. Yeah. And it's like, we we need two defensive back coaches. Oh, and the Bears just hired a safeties coach, too. Oh. So. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the Bears defensive backs? That, 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 that's a very good point. We and, might need one coach per player. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll break down the, the pupil to uh, educator ratio that far. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe that makes sense. Um, of course, I think that the most important thing is, um, I I said uh, on on last week's, and I am I'm really ex- excited about Luke Getze, Um and uh, the guys that he surrounds himself with, uh, I'm really anxious to see how that works out. I think that's a big thing. Um, and, of course, I think there's going to be some focus on Tyke Tolbert and uh, Janoko just because of their proximity to number one. Yeah. Uh, and we all know that that's still the primary focus. I do love that Getsy came out and said, we're building from the scratch. Um, we're, we're building from the ground up. We're building from scratch. We're making this team all about the quarterback. And I, I it was just nice to hear it. Yeah. And I, I should have mentioned Tyke Tolbert is receivers coach slash passing game coordinator. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, when it comes to positional coaches, or I also didn't mention uh, Norwood, who's the special teams coach that the Bears just hired, like, I tend to default to it's it's probably fine, right? Like, as long as there's no, like, obvious red flags, like, you know, the, the Giants hiring Jason Garrett or something or whoever ends up hiring Matt Nagy. Like, I, I you know, it, it's tough to say, like, you know, if if one guy is the fifth best safeties coach in the league and we get the right. 15th best, you know, where does the rubber meet the road there in terms of how that actually affects the play on the field? It's tough to say. I think a lot of times what you're looking for is, assistant coaches that are familiar with whatever scheme you're going to be running that can communicate it to the players and that, you know, have at least a a positive reputation around the league. I mean, these hires are also heavily vetted that, 
it's pretty rare that you see one that kind of leaves you scratching your head just because a lot of times, you know, these guys, you can look at their resumes, you can look at where they've coached in the past, but I tend to default to the NFL is not that big. And if a guy is terrible at his job, he's just not going to keep getting jobs. Right. So I think that it's tough to have strong feelings on any of these guys one way or the other. I've heard a lot of good things about a lot of them. I haven't heard anything overwhelmingly negative, so I guess you kind of just have to defer to Matt Eberflus and trust his judgment and, and, and who he brings in to coach the positions. Sure, and, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, um, while Eberflus has definitely gone out of his comfort zone a little bit, for the most part he brought a big portion uh, for the major spots uh, of guys with him from Indy. And that's, I mean? that's good. Starting number one with the defensive coordinator. So, And yeah, I do think that's good. Um, they're guys that he has experience with, that he knows, that he's comfortable with. Um, I think he, you know, that helps in that he knows what to expect from them, um, and they know what to expect from him. Uh, so uh, that helps some of the growing pains, uh, help uh, hopefully get our guys in the right positions, because um, that's something... Uh, guys playing out of position is something that we've talked about a lot. And uh, until we see some change, it's going to be hard to not talk about that. Uh, certainly uh, when it comes to secondary. Yeah, I mean, the secondary is going to need a complete overhaul. Overhaul. I mean, the safeties are potentially serviceable with Gibson and Eddie Jackson. You know, we'll, we'll see how well Eddie Jackson fits into Matt Eberflus's scheme that's predicated right. on effort and Gibson tackling and playing think. really hard. Gibson, I mean, yeah, replacement-level player. We'll see if they bring him back or if they go a different direction. But it's going to be interesting to see how these coaches view this roster, right? And, you know, with Eberflus, because he is maintaining a lot of continuity with his defensive coaching staff from Indianapolis, those guys aren't going to need to get to know each other. They're already going to know what each other's looking for. They're going to know what types of players complement the defensive scheme well. And they're going to, you know, they're probably spending, you know, long days going through game tape from the Bears' last couple of seasons to figure out which players they want to keep, which players they want to get rid of. And, we're gonna see. I mean, that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to watch unfold over the next you know few months as we head into free agency and the draft. And yep. Ultimately, getting a roster together to to go to training camp. This one also, I felt like uh, was an interesting hire is Chris Morgan as the new offensive line coach. Um, yeah. He has 13 years of NFL experience. Um, he has uh, coached uh, offensive line quite a bit, but he's also worked in running games, and uh, uh, he's worked overall with uh, offense uh, with offenses. I think that um, that that draft that hire is also another key component for us. Yeah, especially what's, what's his back? I was actually because I don't know a ton about him. So, I know he's coming from Pittsburgh, and it surprised me a little bit because Pittsburgh's offensive line last year was pretty bad. So yeah, what's, he says, what's his resume um, look like? Uh, it says that in 16 on the offensive line, he was with uh, Atlanta. Um, Atlanta led the league in scoring that year. Um, and Ryan had uh, his best numbers ever. So that would have been with Kyle Shanahan. That was the year they went to the Super Bowl then, right? Yeah, and then... Um, he worked uh, as an assistant offensive line with the Raiders in 09 and 10, okay. um, Washington uh, 11, 12, and 13, and the Seahawks in 14. Um, so he, he has, uh, but yeah, he was um, assistant offensive line coach last year with the Steelers. Uh, prior to that, of course, was his long period, and that was with um, the Falcons. So with the Falcons from 15 to 20, he was offensive line coach. Oh, he was also a running game coordinator. Okay. And so that's obviously a position that David Poles is going to take, or David Poles, Ryan, Ryan Poles, Poles is yeah. going to take a, a very keen interest in, right? I mean, that's the position that Poles played. That's his specialty. You know, one of the things I heard about his interview process was that the Bears were really impressed by his candor and the way that he openly discussed what they needed to do to improve their offensive line during interviews so you would think that if he's hiring Chris Morgan that 
hopefully means he has a very high opinion of him based on what he's done in Atlanta yeah. and, you know, his, his short stint in, in Pittsburgh, right? Uh, it sounds like to me, based on the resume that you just read off, that he coached with Kyle Shanahan for at least a period of time. And Kyle Shanahan, it, it, his offensive scheme is what Luke Getze runs. So right. just based on all that, right? I mean, it seems like a, a fit. And, you know, you kind of have to trust Ryan Poles that – that's his number one position, right? So the guy that he's bringing in to coach it, you would you'd hope is you know is one that's well thought through. And and I I would guess that um, the polls. One of the things that's so exciting about him is that he seems exciting. Like he he seems like just so pumped and enthusiastic about being where he is. Which of course is such a drastic difference from who was who was in that office before. Ugh. But I mean, really, uh, his he just he seems like an extremely positive individual, and he really wants to uh, make um, a big a big noise. And I like that. Um, you know, we, we've we've talked about it, and everyone talks about it. They might not turn out to be great. Okay. Well, if they don't, they don't. But for right now, I'm going to enjoy some of the uh, the hope and uh, positivity that is uh, swimming around the organization right now. Yeah, I mean, this is the honeymoon period, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you're going to get hopefully at least a season where everything is still trending upward and people are giving you the benefit of the doubt. As long as you don't come out in your first year and make a complete idiot of yourself, <laughs> typically it takes a season or two for fans to start getting frustrated with a new regime, right? Just because it, it takes time to turn something around. Right. The hope is that next year you see the defense improve under Matt Eberflus, and you, the hope is that you see them embrace his style and his hits principle and the lovey smith rally to the ball philosophy and all that good stuff right yeah and the hope is you know even more importantly than that that you can see justin fields start to take some next steps under luke getsy's coaching so i mean those are going to be some pretty pretty obvious signs of whether or not this new coaching staff is making progress right it's fields and the defense and you know, it, it's going to be tough to be worse than this last year was with Matt Nagy. <laughs> so they've got that going for them, too. It's not like, you know, Nagy was decent and they just wanted to go a different direction. Like, last year was pretty terrible. So yeah. it's going to be tough to to do any worse, I think, at least in year one. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's like you said, um, it, it's going to be really tough to be worse than last year. Uh, did last Na- year did was Nagy just... ever get... I thought he was going to go to the Lions. Did that ever happen? I have not seen whether he has gotten a job yet. I don't know whether that will happen or not. Um, but I certainly... I could see him getting a job. He did a good job with Alex Smith uh, before he became a, um, an OC. Yeah. And um, that's by most accounts that he did. Uh, I think he's. I think he seems like a, a good guy. I think he seems like a decent coach. Um, maybe it was just that he was just way over his head. Yeah. Um, maybe it was that he just couldn't handle the pressure. The pressure's got to be unbelievable to be in that spot. Uh, not just as a head coach, but the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Um, so, you know, maybe that was a combination of things. Uh, but he certainly, if I was, uh, if, if I was a GM, I'd certainly still be looking at him as like a guy that can uh, do some things in this league. Cause I don't, I don't think he was a, a total failure uh, except for maybe the last season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't one of those, like, I, I don't know that he'll ever be a head coach again. Right. Um, but it wasn't like a complete, like Mark Trestman disaster where it's like, right. this guy can't ever step in an NFL locker room. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if the Bears could, they'd just, like, take an eraser to that, <laughs> to that, to those two seasons and just completely erase them from existence if they, if they possibly could. 
Um, I wish I could. I don't ever want to have to think about Mark Trestman again. <laughs> He's come up far too many times on this podcast. Man, I'll remember that. For, I remember the first time I heard his name and I was like, who the hell is that? Oh, man. <laughs> oh he, he's led the Canadians. <laughs> he's gone to the Canadian World Cup or whatever the hell it is. The Grey Cup. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. I just get like the, a funny thought of the first time that him and Cutler had a one-on-one meeting. (laughs) Can you imagine the look on Cutler's face and what he must have been thinking? Jay Cutler, a guy that, you know, didn't want to be coached by anybody. And he's like, oh, no. (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. It's just a funny memory. Right. So, um, yeah, and, you know, as you were saying, uh, you know, they kind of got their... Uh, their whole roadmap there laid out. Um, and I'm actually kind of, I'm, I'm happy about that too. I'm happy that uh, George McCaskey did seem to do some due diligence in finding his uh, head coach. I'm, he did, he did interview a lot of, a lot of people. Um, I mean, by any, by any measure, yeah. right? Um, I like that he hired his, his GM and uh, brought his GM in and said, you know what, uh, I'll give you the reins here. And, uh, you know, our new GM comes in and, and hires our new head coach. I, I, I liked the, the process pretty much uh, all of how it has gone. Yeah. And it, it, at least for me, it's the best it's been in recent memory. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, it's the only Bears hiring cycle that didn't feel weird on some level <laughs> right right like i i guess i mean naggy didn't really i mean i don't remember there being very much about that that was strange other than the fact that they gave ryan pace a big contract extension after the three john fox years which were just horrible right but like before that you know it was the weirdness with ernie Acorsi and john fox kind of like falling into their lap and then before that it was Trestman, and then before that, it was firing Jerry Angelo and hiring Phil Emery, but telling him that Lovey Smith had to stay the coach. So, like, at least this time, it, it felt like they got the order of operations right. Yeah, it felt like they did a a robust search. It felt like Bill Polian had some meaningful insight and wasn't just there to collect a check and do a favor for his friends around the league. So. Yeah. It, it it feels good. I mean, maybe after getting it wrong so many times, George McCaskey took a step back and actually did some evaluation of how it had gone wrong before. You know, I mean, maybe we have to give him the benefit of the doubt there. And it, it seems at least I'm willing that, to give him at least a little. Yeah, it seems at least that if if polls and Eberflus fail that it's not because they weren't qualified, right? Like, right. I think with both Pace and Nagy, you can make an argument that maybe if the Bears had hired them 10 years later, they could have been really successful. Agreed. But it seems like they got jobs that they weren't necessarily qualified for, and they, they didn't really rise to the occasion. I mean, you've got that risk with polls too, but as we went through a couple of episodes ago, his background is, is far more built out than I think Ryan Pace's was at the time. And sometimes that's hard to see in in the present. You need the benefit of hindsight, but I feel better about this round of hires, particularly in the front office, than I, I think I did before with Pace. Yeah, uh, Poles to me immediately seems like looking at his resume, listening to him, listening to the uh, to the Chiefs organization, like that he was in the middle of everything yeah. that was going on as far as personnel, whereas uh, whereas Pace. When I did research on him, he seemed like he was more of a junior guy. Like, he was somebody that um, they were maybe listening to ideas from, um, but he wasn't the one that was laying down, like, okay, we should go with this guy. Yeah. Um, I certainly, from everything I read, he had... the the biggest acquisition they made was Drew Brees when he was there. And from what I read, he had nothing to do with that. Sure. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it definitely, it's like you said, it has a completely different feel to it. 
Uh, Eberflus also, uh, nobody can tell me Matt Nagy was ready for this job. He, he, he clearly wasn't. Um, and I think that was uh, a, a little bit apparent at the beginning, and it was completely apparent at the end. But Eberflus seems seasoned. Uh, to me, just from the press conferences, uh, he does seem to... You even you even joked, you know, he seems a little coachy, right? Oh, he's very coachy. He's very coachy, right? But you know what? It, it, in a good way. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he seems like a leader-type coach. Yeah. And the team, after a, a, a lack of discipline... Uh, on a level that I don't think I've ever seen from the Bears, uh, we really need that. Well, and actually, that's a really good point. And I, I'm, I meant to talk about this last week, and I forgot. But one of the things that I heard about Eberflus's interview was that McCaskey was really impressed by his emphasis on discipline, mm. right? Like, last year in particular, like, did it ever at any point feel like the Bears were uh, tight? a tightly run ship. No. Like whether it was dumb penalties on the field or multiple times where you let a receiver fall on the ground and nobody touches him yeah. or not getting plays run it correctly or called correctly, or even some of the stuff off the field, right? Like how many times last year did a bears player get in trouble for something they did on social media? Yeah. Like, and it's not like serious stuff. Like it's, it's dumb in the grand scheme of things, but yeah. like Jalen Johnson. Yeah. When was the last time you heard a player on the Patriots getting in trouble for posting a letter from Bill Belichick on Instagram, right? Like <laughs> it doesn't happen, right? Like, so, you know, and, and not to make stuff like that be a bigger deal than it is, but it never really felt like the bears were fully pulling the rope in the same direction. All is one, right? Like, it felt like not remotely. Yeah, it just felt like there was a lot of like stuff going on that just needed to be tightened up a little bit or cleaned up or whatever. So with Eberflus, I, I think you're gonna get that. I am a little skeptical with you know his entire defensive philosophy, seemingly you know being reliant on effort and playing really hard and playing every snap, you know, 110% because like <laughs> sometimes that stuff works great, but like, are you really going to run up to Robert Quinn and yell at him for taking a snap off? Like, <laughs> come on. Like, I don't know if, if that type of message is necessarily going to sink into veteran players, but maybe that's a reason why those guys get traded in the off season. Maybe you want to rebuild from scratch, right? So we're going to see, how it all plays out. The thing that concerns me a bit with Eberflus is I'm not sure anybody else would have hired him as their head coach, right? Like it's just, possible. So that's that's one thing, but that's not necessarily always the best indication either because somebody else would have hired Matt Nagy in twenty eighteen. So yeah. it's, it's and and along those lines, right? Um so one of the things that we expected to notice and we did is that um we did see a slew of Offensive guys become head coaches, right? Yeah. But we did see uh, three, I think, defensive coaches yeah. become head coaches. and Dennis Allen in New Orleans, and, and Lovey. our old friend, Lovey. Yeah. Now, Lo I will give the caveat that I think the Houston Texans might be the worst organization in sports. <laughs> so, I, I wouldn't necessarily use them as good company, but... It did make me feel a little bit better that the Bears weren't the only team that hired a, a defensive head coach in this right. cycle, which is good. And I think Eberflus, like, I, I don't think he's going to be bad. Yeah. I, I really don't. Like, I don't know if he's going to be great. I don't know if the Bears are going to win a Super Bowl. But I don't get the sense with him that in three years we're going to be talking about having to fire Matt Eberflus. Like, right. he, if, if I had to guess the most likely outcome, it would be that he's here for six seven years we make the playoffs a few times maybe never win a super bowl obviously i hope that's not the ceiling i hope he's awesome and i hope the bears make it and win multiple championships while he's here and he coaches here for 20 years i don't know how likely that is not because he's a bad coach just because that level of sustained sustained success is really hard it's very hard you know it and, only and it's and it's rare it is uh, in this um you know, what have you done for me lately, League? Yeah. Uh, it, it's very rare. And, it's, and I, I got to say real quick, I, I do got to give a big 
hua to uh, lovey for for getting back uh, yeah. in the chair um i've always respected lovey uh i just didn't like what he, he that he couldn't accomplish anything with the offense um or very little but it was so cool to see the picture of him with his white beard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that beard is badass. The beard. As bad as the Texans are in almost every aspect, whoever is running their social media department is awesome. Because <laughs> some of the pictures they've put out of Lovey Smith are pretty badass. Oh, they are. They are. But, yeah, I... I... And, let, and let's not forget, you know... He he was a he is a tough dude. Yeah, he is a tough dude, and players love him. Yeah, like it's rare that you hear players talk about a coach like the Bears. At least defensive players did that played for him here, and they and they they sparked up on social media. Yeah, lots of those guys did when uh, that happened. Congrats, yeah. Lovey. You know, I mean, but yeah, he was a he is a tough dude. Yeah, and the thing is, is that what I, I always liked about him was. He was so soft-spoken, but he projected a toughness. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was like, yeah, I don't think I want to mess with that guy. Well, and, like, listen to, like, what guys like Briggs or Alex Brown or all of the Bears from that time that are in the media now. Yeah. They all talk about how... Azuma. Yeah. They all talk about how, you know, accountability was just such a point of emphasis at that time. Like, Lance Briggs was talking about... Man, if I missed a tackle, I had five or six of my defensive teammates coming up and telling me that I got to make that tackle, right? Like, that's the kind of culture that you want is one where the players are holding each other accountable and you don't necessarily have to have that message come from the coach even, right? Right. So I hope that that's the type of thing that we start hearing about again with Matt Eberflus just because... I don't know what it is, but I get the sense that there weren't... I don't get the sense that anybody on the defense was running up to Eddie Jackson and yelling at him for missing. <laughs> However, pick pick any tackle he missed last year, right? Yeah. The, um, I, I was uh, li- listening to the, the Cleveland podcast that we did. Uh-oh. And, uh, <laughs> I know, right? And uh, I guess I wanted to brutalize myself that day. But, uh, you know, I just... It, it brought back how incredibly bad the coaching was that yeah. day. Uh, and the reason I bring it up now is I certainly, even now, even though we haven't even seen one bit of coaching from him, I feel like he is already on a different level than Matt Nagy. Yeah. Uh, he, like I said, he does seem to project a, 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 a feeling of leadership, um, and also of uh, delegation. He seems like the kind of head coach that's going to realize, I don't need to do it all myself, because that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be the leader at the 30,000 foot level and make sure everything is going well. I delegate out to my coaches because they're the ones that are supposed to be getting in there and getting in the dirt with the players and making sure that they're doing their jobs. I'm supposed to be making sure that the coaches do their jobs and the coaches are are, are getting with the players so that the players go out and do their jobs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean... That's Eberflus is going to be, I think, even more hands off than Lovey was. Lovey always called his own defenses, so Eberflus right. is not going to do that. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna see. I mean, uh, I, I, circling back to Lovey Smith a little bit, right? Like I don't want to rewrite history. Like I was ready for something different, and yeah, you know, at the time it felt like firing Lovey Smith was the right move. I mean, I the, did. I thought so too. The Bears have have made a series of terrible decisions after that, but. Which most, really the general attitude of most Bears fans was, yeah, it was time to go. Yeah, so we're going to see. I mean, I have a feeling that Eberflus is going to be by far the best coach that we've had since Lovey. And that's a very low bar, but I I don't get the sense that it's going to be a disaster with him. Which, when we're talking about the Bears, that's a victory in and of itself. (laughs) Absence of terrible is is something to at least be excited about. Absence of terrible. Um, I I think that isn't that a like a Swedish death metal band? It should be. It's not. (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, we're going to move on to the next thing. Um, So there's an article uh, on ESPN today 
Uh, it was a, it's a redraft of the 2021 draft. So we're just going to briefly look at this. Um, at, uh, what they did was they talked to each, uh, team's, uh, national reporter. Uh, as you probably know, Jeff Dickerson was our national reporter. Uh, they've had other people filling in for him since he passed away. Uh, in this particular instance, Kevin Seifert fills in for him. Um, but uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Jacksonville picks one, and they stick with uh, Trevor Lawrence, even though Trevor Lawrence did not have a good season by any means. He certainly was going through some of the same thing as Justin Fields as far as lack of anything around him. Including coaching. In- including. Uh, I mean, they really had a bad coach. I mean, their coach literally didn't even coach for an entire season. Their coach got fired for cause in the middle of the season. <laughs> I mean, that, I think that is probably the shortest coaching career in the history of the NFL. So, um, you know, uh, they, they, they point out on here, uh, you know, how many different uh, things happened around him. I, I, when it comes right down to it, um, I don't know. I, when, when, it, when it came to that draft, there's no way you can look at that draft and not take Trevor Lawrence. I don't care what organization would have been there. You have to take Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it, unless it, you have Mahomes or Herbert yeah, or Burrow. Yeah. Which was obviously impossible because, you know, the losingest team picks first. Yeah. And as long as the Chiefs have Mahomes, I'm pretty sure they're not going to be the losingest team, right? Right. But, um, but I just, yeah, no matter what organization you put there, it, he's a generational talent. You have to go and take him. Just like with Andrew Luck. When Luck was coming in, everybody knew the Colts was going to take Andrew Luck. They didn't even need to wait for the draft to take Andrew Luck. Because it was it was pretty obvious. Um, the Jets stick with uh, Zach Wilson at, at quarterback with the second pick. Um, and uh, the Niners stick with uh, Trey Lance uh, at the third pick. Trey Lance will be very interesting to see what happens with him in 2022. Um I, I realize that you know people feel like he's going to uh, grow pretty quickly uh, because of his overall talent level. I think that might be the case, but I also think he might uh, struggle a little bit more. And than he basically something. hasn't played in two years, right? I mean, right, because he opted out of his last year last at year North there. Dakota State, and he played a few snaps last year with the Forty ers but not very many. So, right. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, Kyle Shanahan is a good developer of quarterbacks so i tend to think he'll do well but it's going to be interesting to watch i mean north dakota state to the nfl is a big leap i mean we saw carson wentz do it yeah he did well before he forgot how to play football wentz was and wentz was much more experienced coming into yep. the nfl much more yep uh so um yeah that that will be uh interesting to see and actually Wentz's numbers I don't think were that bad from last year I, I mean I don't, I don't think he was great but I don't think he was terrible no he wasn't I mean I, I think he sucks but <laughs> he had an okay season he wasn't as bad as he was towards the end in Philadelphia right so um so for us Bears fans uh in this particular redraft you're not allowed to uh make trades. So we don't trade for Justin Fields at pick 11 with the Giants. Uh, the Giants select Jalen Waddell. Um, and then things get interesting at pick 14 when the Minnesota Vikings select Justin Fields. Uh, in here are Courtney Cronin, um, who's uh, been the Vikings uh, national reporter for a pretty good amount of time now. Um, took over after Kevin Seifert. Uh, the... Um, she points out that uh, they the Vikings wanted to trade up um, from from pick fourteen to pick eight with uh, Carolina, but uh, they couldn't make it happen. And um, you know they ended up drafting Kellen Mond. Ooh, I don't think they want Kellen Mond on the field anytime <laughs> soon. Zimmer sure didn't. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, so uh, when we get all the way down to pick twenty. Um, at pick 20 is where the New York Giants selected Kadarius Thomas, who was, uh, very much associated with the Bears, uh, in the mock drafts of last year. Um, instead, the Bears select Creed Humphrey, the center that our new GM, Ryan Pohl, selected for the Chiefs. 
And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think that would have been a great pick, you know? Yeah. I mean, so in this alternate universe, the Vikings have Justin Fields and the Bears have Creed Humphrey. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, it, Creed Humphrey, just for those of you that don't know, like you said, was a second round pick last year by the Chiefs. And a lot of people think he may have been the best center in the NFL this year as a rookie. Yeah. So obviously a guy that's going to be, uh, really, really good NFL player for a really long period of time. I mean, if you get a good center like that, that is already that productive in his rookie year, I mean, you, you think that guy could play, what, 12, 13 years for your organization? So, a la Olin Krutz. Yeah, Olin Krutz. I mean, there's a ton of examples of guys that play center forever, right? I mean, so I think that if the Bears had ended up with him, I would think it was probably a great pick. I mean, who knows if he would have developed the way that he did here in Kansas City, but I guess in the world of a redraft, we're assuming that the player plays as well as they did right. you know, in, in, in real life. So, you know, you, so you, uh, let, let's, t- let's take a, a side moment just for a second. Um, so I, I, I think it's pretty much agreed that Olin Kurtz is an all time bear. Yeah. Um, and, one thing I've I've thought about him is is he a Hall of Famer? I don't think he will be. I mean, I, I'm not an expert on the the NFL Hall of Fame, but I know that you go through the traditional process where the, all the writers vote on you. And, yeah, you know, I don't think he'll get in that way. I don't know if it's like the Baseball Hall of Fame where like there's like a bunch of like committees that can get you in like some secondary route, but I, I don't think Olin is quite going to get there. At least, you know, in the way that we all typically think about I think the process. He's, I think he has some uh, some qual- some qualifications, though. I mean, he's a Bears Hall of Famer for sure. Right. Um, I don't know NFL Hall of Fame. I mean, I, I think in the NFL, right, they have to elect a certain number of people a year. Is that correct? Yeah. So maybe he gets in in a year where maybe there's just fewer players that are, are worthy of it. I think with him, a couple of things that are going to hurt him are that he you know played on a lot of bad bears teams right even though he was a really good player you know i think he ended up winning what like two playoff games three in total yeah you know he went to the one super bowl but for the most part during his tenure here the bears missed the playoffs and a lot of the time they missed the playoffs because the offense was bad yeah so i I think those are things that are probably working against him i mean (laughs) Much. One thing he does have going for him is uh, he's a star in the media right now, so he's in the in the public eye, and I think that might help him. Um, he played an awful lot of football, though. He did at a very high level for a very long time. He was time. here what eleven years? Yeah, twelve, something like that. So, oh, yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking, I thought it might be thirteen, but um, hey, he, that that tight that knowledge base gets you a $15 an hour offer (laughs) I mean I would certainly love to see it I think his hall of fame speech would be awesome I think you know he's (laughs) one of the best bears in my life and I think you know he is a guy that all bears fans love but I don't know I don't necessarily see it in the cards for him unless like I said he finds his way into the hall of fame you know via some sort of but, secondary yeah. committee and and you know I don't I don't think he probably gets in either but I I certainly do believe that he has some qualifications to um, make it to that level um he really was a a, a great player he was very respected by NFL linemen around the league uh, he was generally considered, uh, if not the best center, uh, among the best centers every year of his career. So, um, there, you know, there's something to be said for that. So, and he played here 12 years. 12, it was 12. Six okay. Pro Bowls. He's a first-time All-Pro once. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that people in Chicago know how great he was. I don't necessarily think that national football audiences really understand how yeah. great Olin Kruitz was just because the Bears were so bad when he was here for the most part. Right, right. Um, so, I thought this was very interesting. So, the Bears' second pick in the 2021 draft was um, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who's yeah. outside linebacker for Cleveland because mm-hmm. 
we traded, right? Mm. Um, we traded up so that we could select Tevin Jenkins, right? Mm. Well, so... Where, where does he go in this? <laughs> so... So that's what I thought was very interesting because I, in this, is it, is, it, it, is it bad? No, in <laughs> oh, this, yeah. we draft Tevin Jenkins again. And what round? <laughs> pick fifty-two. Oh, okay. <laughs> instead of uh, instead of the pick that we actually made of him, <laughs> Kevin Seifert says the Bears love Jenkins enough to trade up for him in the real draft, and despite an up and down rookie season. They still have high hopes for him as a long-term solution. If you have a chance to jump on a starting left tackle in the second round, you do it. That's what Seifert says. So, and he still might be. He might. Um, you know, so, and I, I think we, you know, right now with those two linemen, with Borum and Jenkins, we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. They were thrown into a really tough situation. We both thought that Jenkins wouldn't do anything at all when he came on the field that late. And I feel like we were wrong. Yeah. I, I feel like he did show some stuff. I loved the toughness that he showed for his quarterback. Um, I always want to see that out of a lineman. Uh, and I got to admit, even amongst all those big guys, he looks pretty big. <laughs> I, I think that he looks the part, right? Yeah. I mean, like you said, as, as soon as he went on injured reserve with a back injury, I assumed that the entire season was going to be lost for him. So yeah. the fact that he got out there and played some games is good. I mean, he certainly wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible either. So uh, it's going to be tough to evaluate based on last year, but I'm glad he at least got some game action and, you know, can, can get used to playing NFL football, if nothing else. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they flip him back over to right tackle. I wouldn't be shocked either. Because... You know, Ryan, that's where he played best. Yeah, I mean, that's what he played in college, right? I mean, Ryan Pace, the smartest guy in the room, drafts a guy that's never played left tackle as, <laughs> as the future left tackle, right? So, I think that's he, he had played left tackle. Oh, had he? Okay, maybe it was in Pee Wee. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, he had played some left tackle. I think at Oklahoma State. Okay, so yeah. but but he he was. He he gained his prospect status playing right tackle. So right, we'll we'll see. I mean, maybe Ryan Poles agrees and he stays at left tackle. I mean, I, I didn't see anything from him to make me think that he can't play there. Right. I mean, he made some mistakes. He committed some penalties, but you can chalk that up to being a rookie and probably still not being at a hundred percent because he had back surgery in September. Right. And so, the overall offense was completely terrible anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, the, the nice thing about this, right, is that uh, Ryan Poles comes in, so we have an evaluator other than Pace to look at these guys, scrutinize them, and make determinations about what he sees for them. And I'm actually hoping that Borum and Jenkins are viewed as those kind of players that we can use to move forward. Um, now, uh even if Jenkins moves over to right tackle, okay, that's fine. Do we do we now have a, a good starting right tackle for the next five seasons, yeah. ten seasons? Maybe they, I mean that's that the, the exciting thing about this, right? Is and we've talked about this, but they don't have to care what Ryan Pace thought of him. Maybe Ryan Poles thinks Tevin Jenkins is a guard. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe like he's, that could happen. So so we're gonna see. I mean, maybe he thinks Larry Borum shouldn't be starting and if that's his evaluation then fine i mean like we said before that's the position he knows better than any i think that it is a position that's going to need to be emphasized going into the next couple of years just because the the fact that the bears offensive line was mediocre last year was a minor miracle I yeah. mean, with jason peters getting signed in training camp after being retired and an undrafted rookie playing center and a fifth round pick playing right tackle. Yeah. Like the, the fact that they were not the worst part of the team, <laughs> I think was a little surprising <laughs> to me. I mean, I, I, it, it how, could, how did that happen? It could have been a lot worse. I don't know, but um, I, I do get the sense that we're going to be seeing a lot of shuffling there with Ryan poles and, you know, one of the guys, bring it on. Yeah. I mean, about time, right? I mean, one of the guys that's, could I think was a, a pretty solid player, but might not be back as James Daniels. So yeah. we're going to see. I, I wouldn't hate 
seeing them invest a couple of draft picks in the line and also sign a couple of guys to decent contracts, right? I mean, yeah. you, you want to have a, a an offensive line that has depth. You don't want it to be, oh, Tevin Jenkins, the rookie, gets hurt, so now we've got to sign a guy that was sitting on the fishing boat eating <laughs> eating pork rinds, right? Like, so... <laughs> I, I hope that those days are over of just completely ignoring the offensive line because yeah. that's not a recipe for success in the NFL. Well, I certainly feel like that is something that is definitely not going to be a problem. No. Um, I, that I'm more sure of than just about any other personnel spot is this guy has already made it very clear that the offensive line is getting taken care of from the get-go. And with what with the two picks that he made for Kansas City last year, that made me feel pretty warm and fuzzy. Yeah, I mean, you, people, you got to remember that the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl two years ago, mostly because they had no chance of blocking the Buccaneers. And so yeah. in one offseason, they made some pretty dramatic improvements on that line. And the Bears' offensive line, while not great, I think still has some workable pieces on there. So, you know, maybe with some smart signings and maybe a, a good draft pick. I mean, this could be a, a pretty good offensive line next year if yeah. if things work out, right? So, you know, if your team is, is bad, one way that you can make games close and maybe overachieve is by being able to move the other team around and running the ball well and making – the game shorter because your offensive line isn't getting pushed around out there. I I don't think that's going to win you a Super Bowl, but if you're looking for a way that the Bears can make some noise next year, especially in what's looking like it's going to be a pretty weak NFC, if you have a top 10 offensive line, that's, that's a heck of a start. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I, I think in the, in the coming months we'll see, uh, I think we'll get a free agent offensive lineman and a draft pick. Yeah. I think it's very likely we could see both of those. Um, uh, one of the things I also like about Poles is he's 36. So part of his evaluation of uh, offensive linemen is going to be their age, right? Um, how, how, how youthful they are versus how long they've been in the league and how that fits into the scheme because right now most of the most of the Bears line is pretty young. Um, Cody Whitehair is the is the old veteran. I assume we're excluding Peters. <laughs> yes, Peters is <laughs> not going to be back. I, I I don't see that happening. The guy is just uh, I I'm with you though. I think he played surprisingly well. Oh, that could have been so bad. Yeah, I mean it could have been Orlando Pace. Yeah, uh, which was the worst oh, thing ever. Oh yeah. Uh, but um, <laughs> I mean Fred Miller looked good compared to Orlando Pace. So you know, <laughs> remember that first preseason? Who was the edge rusher that was going against Orlando Pace in his first preseason game and just? kept getting just he was like a small guy and he just got right underneath orlando pace and orlando pace just couldn't even bend over to get a hand on him he was so (laughs) old and done who was he was was like so old and creaky i I, want to say it's like ocu manura but it it wasn't him it was somebody that dwight freeney no it wasn't like a great pass Oh, oh 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 i had it I don't know. It doesn't matter, but it was. I, I remember it too. I think it was in Denver. Was it Cameron Wimbley? No, it was Doomerville. Elvis Doomerville. Oh, Elvis! That's yeah. right. It was Elvis Doomerville. Yeah, and just oh, I just remember that first time. Yeah, and he smoked him too many he, times. His, his his speed was just way too much for and, this guy and, who could barely move. And he was small, right? So it's just like you just get right up under him and just basically use him and just. As, as kind of like a pulley and just kind of go right around. And everyone was just kind of like, uh-oh, that's not good. <laughs> so Peters at least wasn't that. No, I think I think that Peterson uh, did pretty well um, considering, uh, well, considering everything. Uh, but no, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be back. I, I mean, you know, that, that's 
it, obviously there's a lot of players that are not only out of contract, but there's just a lot of players that are just point blank not going to be back. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it there is going to be major, major overhaul. I mean, when you're as bad as the Bears are currently, yeah. I mean, there's there's no guaranteed roster spots no. on this team. Except for number one. Yeah, other than Fields, right? I mean, everybody needs to come in and show that, A, you want to be here, and B, that you're capable of being here, right? I mean... I would, you know what? I would go as far as to say that not even Roquan Smith has a guaranteed spot it, because the thing is, is that we have no idea what Eberflus thinks of. Now, while I think Eberflus will probably look at Roquan Smith and say, "Wow, that guy is a really talented player who works hard," he might not be a he might not be the talented player who works hard for his scheme. Yeah, I think Roquan is safe. I mean, I, I would say that the players that. I would feel best about sticking around in some meaningful way are Fields, Roquan, and Jalen Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. I think that other than that, I mean... Jalen Johnson can fit into any scheme, and yeah. at worst, he's a number two. I mean, Quinn and Mack, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they both get traded. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens either. Honestly, I mean, like, it's the NFL, and when you have older players, right, it's like sometimes it's better to get rid of a guy a year too early than a year too late. It... I think uh, both of their fates will be decided on how the Bears can manage the salary cap. Uh, because as far as their age versus their talent level versus their number, it doesn't equate. Uh, they they should be gone. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll have to see how that aspect of it works. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be dependent on how Poles and Eberflus view the roster, right? Like, if they say, hey, we think right now this team can win eight games, and if we add some some pieces and create value in creative ways, maybe we think we can win 10, 11 games and, and get into the playoffs and win the North. Maybe maybe they think that. Maybe they look at this roster and say, this team sucks. <laughs> and even if we do all the right things, the ceiling is eight or nine wins and a first-round playoff out. And if they think that, I would prefer them to start a rebuild, right? And I, I, I think I said maybe this team sucks. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably closer to that. I, I think the team is bad. Um, hey, maybe this team is terrible. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they're closer to terrible than they are to great. They definitely sure. are. So, you know, this also, we could be looking at another... Uh, Ryan Pace, where after two seasons, only one guy was left. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I uh, I wouldn't hate that, honestly. If, if there's if if we clean out some of the detritus that Ryan Pace allowed to build up on this roster, <laughs> like it wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, I, I think Quinn and Mac are, are both still good players. I mean, heck, I mean Robert Quinn had one of the best years of his career last year. But if you think this team is two or three years away from competing for a Super Bowl. Is Robert Quinn still going to be good in two or three years? Probably not. So see if you can get a, a fourth-round pick for him. You know, the Quinn thing is so weird to me. You know, because he had 11 and a half sacks, and then uh, Pace goes and pays him just an absolutely ridiculous amount of money, and he comes to Chicago and has two sacks and is a, just a non-factor the entire season. And then suddenly, the next year, he wakes up. Uh, it's like he's been in a coma. And he has 18 and a half sacks. What the, what happened? I mean, I still don't, I still don't get that. Um, because, you know, and, and then on top of it, most of the season was without a, a bookend, was, you know, was, was without Mac on the field. So I, I just, I don't know that it's just very strange. I don't know how he could repeat that again in his career. Uh, but, um, you know, like you're saying, most uh, a good portion of the team is going to be gone simply because they're not signed. Uh, another chunk of the team is going to be gone because the coaches are going to look at them and say, "Nope, you're not my guy." Yeah. Right. So uh, it, it definitely is going to get boiled down to only a few guys, like you said, are are safe on the roster. I do think Jalen Johnson and Justin Fields uh, have their spots. Um, is, I think that is Tariq uh, Cohen going to come back or is he done? I don't think he. I think he's done. I don't think he comes back. But Boy. you know, possibly. Um, 
The only thing is, is that, you know, he was mostly, while I liked Tariq Cohen, after year one, he just became kind of this gadget guy. Yeah. And, I mean, people forget that in his second season, his yards per carry dropped a full yard. I mean, he went from, like, 4.3 down to 3.1 or something like that. And it was not, it was ugly. Yeah, (laughs) I mean. It really was. It was pretty ugly. Does he get any benefit of the doubt because we now realize how incompetent Matt Nagy was? (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, maybe that. Because Cohen's uh, first year was under Fox, right? Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, he wouldn't have been the only player to drop off under the Matt (laughs) Matt Nagy. Like, that's weird. It's like he tears his ACL and you're like, all right, we'll see you in 12 months. And then what, we're two years later? And I saw today that that he was given the Ed Block Courage Awards for the Bears last year, even though I didn't play. So yeah, that kind of makes it sound like maybe he is done, which would really stink because he was a talented player. But yeah. I guess at least good for him. He was able to get a, a contract before he ended up getting hurt. But yeah. like that's the type of guy that you think could maybe come back and maybe spark a little bit more of a productive offense than we've seen, right? Like Because if he could be his old, old self, that's at least a guy that you know has some playmaking ability. Like He's not... A game-changing player, but it's at least a guy that if he gets the ball in his hands can make some things happen. Yeah, we don't have any of those guys right now. No, not really. So, uh, I think that I think that our running back crew, uh, at least our top two guys, though, is pretty solid with um, with Montgomery and Herbert. Um, yeah, that's a position int- you don't have to worry about. Really no, not really. Um, I think I think that um, Montgomery uh survives with with the bears i i doubt he gets traded is he he, he's got a year left yeah he has a year left right but i i think um at least i i'm of the opinion i think that herbert might be better yeah uh, might be a better choice but um yeah i mean you know like you said with cohen uh he he's a nice player and he could come back and maybe make some noise but uh, the way I understand it is last year they were excited about having him back. And when he went to training camp, um, they were just like, wow, you're way, way away from where you need to be. Um, and they thought they put him on pup because uh, they thought that they might be able to bring him back. He had a roster spot. Yeah. And, um, and uh, it just got to the point to be, yeah, he's not coming back. Yeah, we're um, going to find out so. more about that one. Like, I don't know if the Bears messed up his surgery or if he messed up his rehab, but that's something weird because you don't hear of a lot of career-ending ACL tears. That's a pretty standard injury in the NFL that you understand the recovery time for. Yeah. So something weird went on there, and I'm sure we'll find out what it was. The other thing is is, I also wonder if his size plays any factor into it because I mean he is a small guy. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I, I mean, and he, he and he doesn't shy away from contact. No, before not his at injury, all. at least he he takes some hits. Yeah. So I don't I, that that will be uh, something to watch as we go forward. Um, the uh, the uh, the next part that we're going to talk about is we we were just kind of going to look forward a little bit uh, at. The uh, at free agency, which is getting ready to come up, and um, one player I wanted to mention to you, Jim, is Calvin Ridley. What do you think about that? Uh, so he's he, you would have to trade for him, yeah, because his, his rights are still under Atlanta, yeah. So he's with Atlanta, and he uh, there was something weird happening with him last year, too, because he opted out of most of the year and cited mental health reasons, right. so. You hope everything's okay, but nobody knows what went on with him and why he didn't play most of the year. Um, but the rumors are that Atlanta is looking to trade him. And, I mean, if he's right, he's a very, very good wide receiver. The problem is I don't know what the Bears would have to trade for him, right? I mean, yeah. you don't already don't have a first-round pick. I don't know that he would command one. But say you have to trade a second- or third-round pick or both, I mean, you're already so low on draft picks. I think the Bears will have a really hard time putting together a trade package that yeah. will interest Atlanta. I mean, you could try to package in like a, a Mac or a Quinn and a pick, but my guess would be that Atlanta is more interested in 
draft picks or young players with a lot of upside rather than a veteran that maybe has a couple years left. So And I, a big contract. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I like Ridley a lot as a player, but I don't see a path to him coming to the Bears. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think the Bears, when it comes to receivers, are going to be able to get one of the guys that really gets you excited, right? Yeah, I'm in about, free like, agency. I'm talking about uh, Devontae Adams, a Calvin Ridley, uh, Chris Godwin. Like, yeah. I don't think the Bears are going to get one of those guys. I think I agree. what the Bears are probably going to have to do is draft at least one skill position player, maybe two, and they're going to have to make some smart signings. And with that, I mean guys that maybe you perceive as undervalued. Like, basically, you have to sign Marquise Goodwin, only the good version, <laughs> if, if that exists, right? Like, you need to find a guy that's either been injured or maybe is coming from a bad situation that you think could be a productive receiver here. And, you know, the the fact that he's currently undervalued means you can get him for a, 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 a contract that's not going to bump you up against the salary cap. I mean, as much fun right. as it would be to give Devontae Adams $100 million right. for a $30 million a year cap hit, yeah. I just think the Bears have so many other needs. I don't think you can justify allocating that much no. of your salary cap to one player. No, I don't I don't see it. Um, you know, Adams is going to uh, command top dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, if if Rodgers stays in Green Bay, there's no way he's going to leave Green Bay. I wouldn't think. Uh, there's, I mean, he he's in a great situation there. He'll he'll get his big money, and uh, he'll get to keep playing with Rodgers, right? Um, one name that I liked when I was looking at the numbers, and I have seen uh, some uh, some buzz about on the internet, is Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, However, they are thinking that Christian Kirk might still command that sixteen million, maybe uh, sixteen million. I think you could live with a little bit more. Yeah, like it, it, I, and and they do think he's a slot guy too. And and yeah, and full disclosure, I don't know a ton about Christian Kirk. Um, we'd have to have Chris back on. <laughs> uh, but I mean, we we need to have Chris back on. By all accounts, he's he's a good player. I, I don't know enough about him to say whether or not he's worth the 16 million dollar figure you just quoted but that's the type of guy that i'm talking about a guy that is productive but maybe not necessarily thought of as elite but you think that if he came to your roster you could develop him beyond what he already is right like now so 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 lavelle was saying that he didn't um he wasn't really looking at kirk because uh, we already have a Kirk in in Mooney. Uh, you know, looking at Mooney as being a, a slot guy. And Mooney definitely could be a slot guy. Um, I don't know. I think that they're still going to aim for... My personal opinion is they're going to still aim to put Mooney in the number two can spot. Chris, can Christian Kirk catch? <laughs> because... Well, actually, actually, his his catch percentage. Uh, I remember reviewing the numbers was good. So that's so that's one noticeable. Mooney's not so. That's much. one noticeable improvement over Darnell yeah. Mooney is being able to catch the ball. Yeah, it's typically his, good for a wide receiver. Yeah, he, Mooney's. Uh, I mean, Kirk's uh, numbers for catch percentage were very good because that's a number that I tend to scrutinize. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts on Mooney are that having Darnell Mooney shouldn't dissuade you from signing anybody anybody. like (laughs) darnell mooney is is not good enough to prevent you from signing a good receiver you should sign whoever you think is the best receiver and then slot in darnell mooney somewhere else yeah like you know having too many receivers is not a problem in, in my mind certainly not for the bears no so yeah i mean I like it. I mean, if if it's Christian Kirk and a draft pick and maybe you sign another receiver that you think has some upside and then you've also got Darnell Mooney there, you know, that that feels a lot better than what we're talking about right now, at least. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think um, I think it's like you said, you don't not sign somebody because of him. Uh, But I do think. He will, I think Mooney will be part of the, um, you know, part of the new plan. Um, I just don't, to, I, I don't know to what extent because he, he just hasn't, he hasn't established it. Well, 
you know, the the situation with him is it's like where do you put him? Um, because we've had him playing out of position for so long, it's kind of hard to tell what his position is, right? Um, because we've had to tr- had had him mostly at well number one or number two. And it's questionable as to whether he is either of those things. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think what you'll see is um, I don't think that we're going to be big players uh, with wide receiver uh, in free agency. But I do think that might be a spot where we get an offensive lineman. Um, maybe uh, maybe safety is another spot we'll see during free agency. That's certainly a spot that we need. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see what Eberflus thinks of Eddie Jackson, right? I mean, yeah, Eddie Jackson is not a good tackler. He's a guy that has had mental lapses on the field in the past. So Eberflus might think that those are correctable issues. I mean, no matter what he does, Eddie Jackson's not going to be good at tackling. He wasn't good at tackling at Alabama with Nick Saban. He's not been good at tackling in the NFL. Yeah. It's just not his strong suit. And I don't necessarily think that means that he can't still be a really good safety. But if you're going to be the guy that doesn't want to tackle anybody, you gotta you gotta have more. You have to be shut down. Yeah, you gotta. I mean, when was the last time Eddie Jackson had an interception? Yeah, was it 18? Yeah, I think so. So if you're going to be the guy, no, he. I think he had one in 19. Okay, well, good for him. <laughs> so the point being, right, like. You need to be impactful in some other way if you're not going to make even routine Here's tackles. a gold star. Yeah. So maybe Eberflus thinks that under his coaching that Eddie Jackson can get back to that ball-hawking safety guy that we saw in, in 17 and 18. Uh, or Eberflus might say, hey, that guy doesn't fit my defense. He doesn't play hard. He doesn't want to go to the ball. I don't want him. We're going to see. It's going to be interesting. I mean, Eddie Jackson is talented enough that I would hope that a good defensive coaching staff could still get the best out of him, but we're going to find out. I mean, if, if Iberflus doesn't like him, then I probably understand why. So yeah, uh, get the hell out of here. Yeah. I, you got no talent, kid. Yeah, exactly. Cross <laughs> him off then. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of guys like that on this roster, right? I mean, there's guys, I mean, I think anybody that's currently on the roster could play in this defense if they want to, but wanting to is really hard. It's going to require a lot of work. It's going to require you to <laughs> play in this system that demands that you bust your ass out there. That, last year, pretty much anybody could play on the team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, fa- like, boy, the, la- the fact that that secondary didn't allow... 35 points a game. Is Where did you crazy. come from? I, I actually worked at the car wash across the street. <laughs> I was with George in the ticket office. <laughs> it was the box seat guy. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, I think that's a, a, about it for today. Um, thanks very much again for uh, joining us. Uh, oh, call out our stuff. Yeah. Um, follow us on Twitter, bears underscore scat. We'd love to get some listener interaction, especially in the off season. We always welcome questions or criticisms or comments or anything along that along those lines. So keep interacting with the show. If you send us a question, we'll address it on the podcast. Um, and thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. All right, bye bye.